The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Carolis, and you are listening to Pa de Chat, Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I am happy to share my 14 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Well, 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 my dearest friends and listeners, (laughs) the world apparently goes on. Time is supposed to heal all wounds, but apparently this one will take some more time. (laughs) While many citizens of the U.S. grapple with fear over their safety and rights under new leadership, there are certain protections already in place thanks to our system of uh, checks and balances that will hopefully protect or at least prevent too much damage (laughs) to the laws that are already in place today. Our country's new leadership is kind of like when a new artistic director takes over a company. Everybody feels a sense of unease as the organization transitions, and everybody finds out how and if they fit into new management's vision. Luckily, a bit like checks and balances of power in our country, many of the most prestigious dance companies in the country are supported, if not protected, by a union that governs over dancers and their relationship with management. Do you see what I did there? I related (laughs) what's happening in the country to the dance world. (laughs) I'm proud of that one. Anyway, <laughs> that uh, that union that governs governs uh, dancers in many companies is called the American Guild of Musical Artists, or as we call it in the dance world, AGMA. You can actually visit their website. I believe it's musicalartist.org. So, let me give you just a little bit of history about my relationship with AGMA. When I first joined Houston Ballet back in 2003, I joined AGMA um, as an apprentice with Houston Ballet, and I continued my relationship with AGMA as I joined Pacific Northwest Ballet. We were, or they they are also a a union company. Um, So I spent seven years dancing under uh, Pacific Northwest Ballet and the, the, the union, and the final three years that I was with the company, I chose to run uh, to as, as a delegate to represent the dancers for the company. So uh, I spent three years doing that job, which essentially means that I was uh, a middleman between management and the dancers. So if dancers had questions about something or if they had issues with something that happened in the studio, it was my responsibility to... Uh, keep a record of the, these issues then to go into management and discuss uh, these issues and how to resolve them or if there is need to resolve or uh, anything beyond that with the management. Um, we did have representatives um, uh, in, in New York and San Francisco that helped us uh, mediate in, the, in these meetings. So I worked a lot with, with those representatives. My final year dancing with Pacific Northwest Ballet, I actually 
helped negotiate their contract. Every couple of years, uh, the dancers' union will have to negotiate contracts depending on how long the companies choose to do the contracts. It could be two years, it could be three or four years. I haven't really seen more than four or five. But yeah, I spent the final year of my time dancing at PNB also looking at our contract, considering issues that had come up in the past three three years that I had been at working in that role, and then coming up with ideas to resolve those issues, and then eventually sitting across the a bargaining table with the executive director and the company manager and the HR uh, representative and myself, our representative from San Francisco and a lawyer. So I, I have lots of experience working with within a union and contract negotiations. Um, and while I, I don't dance with a union company anymore, I do still maintain my AGMA membership. So during and after my time as a union rep, I have consulted with numerous organizations and individual dancers to help make important decisions regarding unionization, protecting dancers, uh, and negotiating many aspects of one's career. Getting to work in this position has helped me manage my freelance career as well. In fact, a little side note here, I am going to be speaking at an event for the Dancers Resource and Career Transitions for Dancers on December 5th from 5 to 7 p.m. at uh, It takes place at Gibney Dance, which is at 280 Broadway. Uh, and, and during the, the two hours, any freelancer, any dancer that's interested in freelancing is welcome to to join us for free, and I'll be talking a bit about my career and my background. We'll be opening up the floor so that uh, anybody can ask questions about uh, the freelance life, and then afterwards, uh, it, it's a little bit of time for freelancers to mix and mingle because freelancers don't always work <laughs> side by side, day day by day, like a company dancer may. So the com- the community can be kind of uh, s- separate; they're not always together. So uh, I really encourage anybody to. Uh, Check out my Facebook page. I, I created an, an event for this. It's called Managing the Freelance Life. And again, it's the, the Dancers Resource and Career Transitions for Dancers at Gibney Dance on Monday, December 5th from 5 to 7 p.m. So uh, you can always send me a message on my website as well if you need more information about that. Anyway, <laughs> getting to work in that position really helped me manage my freelance career. And for the all the experience I have with that, I, I feel that I'm uniquely qualified uh, when it comes to talking about unions and negotiation and management. Here in Philly, we recently had yet another public transportation strike. <laughs> no buses, subways, or trolleys ran for nearly a week. SEPTA, or uh, we call it South, it's Southeastern Pennsylvania Transportation Association, but we call it SEPTA, um, is in my own and many other opinions, one of the worst unions in the country. <laughs> Sorry, SEPTA, but it's true. <laughs> Not only are they the most strike transportation company in the entire United States, I think they've striked over 10 times, uh, but many of their services are lackluster, uh, and many, not all, but many of their employees have horrible, horrible customer service skills. Uh, they strike more often than not to protect these employees and to improve the benefits that they receive, uh, which I would hope that they would step up their game.
game if they were going to constantly strike to get better benefits. But anyway, it can seem baffling, and anyone can look at this and say that the union is bad and unreasonable. But with my previous experience working with AGMA in the studio and across the bargaining table, I kind of get it. There are great pros and great cons to working for a union, especially in the dance world. Sometimes the unions can be very beneficial, and sometimes they can actually be pretty detrimental, as has been the case with uh, SEPTA. So this is what I'm going to talk about today. What are the pros of working for a unionized company, and what are the negative aspects of uh, having a union uh, governing over over a company. So let's start with the pros first. First and foremost, there is always a representative to moderate between a dancer and management if there are any issues. Uh, if, say, somebody speaks to you appropriate, inappropriately, uh, you don't have to go directly to that person or directly to management to, uh, to talk about it. You can actually talk to your representative and they can help you uh, with the situation. Since leaving my work at P&B, any issues that have come up with my employers have had to be handled directly by me. This, unfortunately, sometimes can leave both sides with negative feelings, even if the relationship continues after the disagreement or the issue. Having a representative helps to resolve issues and can help prevent all of the fallout that can fall, fall upon the dancer uh, if the outcome is, leaves tension or is not completely resolved on both sides. Also, non-union companies usually use their best effort to guarantee uh, weeks of work, salary rep, conditions, and so much more. But if something goes sour and a director feels the need to cut some fat, <laughs> they, they are not necessarily held to the promises that they made when you signed your, your contract. If you are dancing with a unionized company, it's a completely different story. Uh, the, the organizations are held responsible to follow through with the, the guarantees that they have given in, in the negotiated contract, whether it's weekly pay, seniority, rank breaks uh, during the day for lunch and five-minute breaks, uh, layoff periods, scheduling for your days, or even knowing your schedule for a general schedule for the year so you know when your layoff weeks are going to be, and so much more are governed by a con the contract that is negotiated between AGMA and the representatives and management. When you are in a unionized company, all you really have to do is show up to work, and most everything else is taken care of care for you. It's it's nice because you get to really truly focus on your dancing when you are working for a unionized company and sometimes other things can get get in the way. If something goes wrong, it's the representative's job to help keep things on track and make sure management is following the agreed to guidelines. Next, uh, a dancer's job and a certain number of guaranteed work weeks are protected by the agreement in place uh, that has been negotiated. I have never seen a dancer let go from a unionized company with absolutely no notice. All dancers are usually told around March 1st if they're going to be, be re-engaged or uh, offered another contract for the next year uh, with the company that they're dancing for. The, that way it gives dancers enough time to uh, seek a, another job with another company. If a dancer has been around longer, many unionized contracts require a year or more notice that they will no longer be with the company. 
It's more, it's kind of out of, out of respect for their service to the company. They get a little bit more of a heads up. Also, uh, a pro of being in a unionized company, uh, really, it, it, you can, you can really <laughs> feel the positives of, of this when a dancer goes on tour. Cause when you're, you're going on tour, you're often <laughs> going to be traveling, you're going to be put into a hotel room, you might be in a, you're going to be in possibly in an uncomfortable location, especially if you're traveling internationally. Um, the conditions are going to be completely different and there, there, there's so much more. Um, so any dancer that goes on tour with Unionized Company, they, they know that they're going to get a certain amount of per diem to cover their, their food while they're away from home and don't have a kitchen with them. Um, there are certain rest requirements. Many uh, companies are required to have a rest day uh, as soon as they arrive. Um, most dancers wouldn't want to be four people in a hotel room um, and so much more. More issues seem to arise on tour than at home. So having everything laid out in a contract that is uh, can be legally upheld uh, can really help allay some of the stresses of taking your dancing on the road. Unions usually help uh, prevent companies from putting dancers in dangerous situations. Um, that's really a great perk of dancing for a unionized company. Whether it be dancing in an unsafe environment, say that it's the floor is too slippery, or the room's too cold, or there's no spring in the floor, or any other variety of unsafe conditions, uh, companies have to either ask for waivers or to pass on these performance opportunities if uh, they don't fit into a regular scope of uh, dance performance for a company. For example, as a freelancer, I don't think I once danced on a sprung stage in the entire four years that I performed across the country. We performed in the mall on Marley, on cement in front of Oakland City Hall, in an art gallery on a first Friday art walk. Some of these experiences were invaluable and offered our art to the community in unique ways. But at the same time, many of these situations were dangerous and stressful. Uh, I even remember one dancer sustaining a concussion because... Uh, and it was during that, that first Friday art walk, we had uh, set up to perform uh, on a concrete floor in a gallery, and we had set up to perform facing one direction, and we recognized really quickly right before it started that all the the patrons walking around the gallery were facing in a different direction. So we had to change everything, and people's spacing got off, and somebody ended up getting kicked in the head and having to go to the hospital because they had a concussion. Uh, the last one I, I can think of for uh, a, a good pro of dancing in a unionized company is that your role in that company is often better understood. Generally, dancers stay dancers in a unionized company. In a non-union company, sometimes dancers become crew, moving props around and scenery on stage. Uh, they can become ticket salespeople. They can become marketers, and so much more. Any union company, like I said before, dancers really get to focus on their work without distraction. Uh, of course, they can take on other responsibilities if they ask, but often uh, 
if they're, they are asked to do something outside of the scope of their, their position as a dancer, they either have to be paid or uh, given a, they have to give a waiver to uh, the, allow it to happen. Uh, and this is really great because a lot of dancers, they, they fear turning down a responsibility that's been given to them because they may feel, that the, the leadership may feel that they're insubordinate or not really invested in, in the company's interests. But there are so many times that dancers have so much more going on that, or like I said, they, they just want to focus on their work. Though sometimes dancers can benefit from new outside experience, like if a dancer becomes a social media manager for a company. So before I get too into that, <laughs> let's transition to uh, some of the challenges of working for a union company. One of the first challenges that you have uh, when you work for a, a union company is that you actually have to pay into the union. I can't remember exactly, but I, if I remember correctly, I think that the dancers paid 2% of their weekly paychecks to retain their membership in the union. This wasn't optional because AGMA makes it nearly impossible for any company to hire non-unionized dancers long term. So you have to be a union dancer to dance for an AGMA company. Um, you can't be a dancer that chooses to be non-union. Uh, with the, the companies governing uh, most of the dancers, or all of the dancers, through the rules of the contract, it would also be really iffy if, say, three dancers weren't union. <laughs> and they, they'd still probably fall under the same rules of the, of the union. Sometimes dancers get disgruntled about this this fee, especially if they don't really have effective delegates or reps that are powerful enough to enforce the rules that are put forth in the contractual agreement. A lot of times these reps get, they, they get paid to do this work. These delegates get paid to do these, this work. Um, and they're afraid to use their voice because they're afraid that they could, uh, receive negative repercussions for enforcing the contract or create stress between their relationship as a dancer, uh, versus as a union rep. So a lot of dancers, if they don't have really effective reps, uh, they, they get a little upset about that. There is also an initiation fee, uh, which can be difficult to pay when you arrive as an apprentice. Uh, back, I think, in 2003, it was about 800 to $1,000. Um, but luckily, when I joined Houston Ballet, we, we were given, a as, as apprentices, we were given a $1,000 signing bonus. And uh, this was to cover the cost of joining the union. At first, I thought I was so excited. I was like, they gave me $1,000 because I got picked <laughs> but then I quickly learned that there is a reason for it <laughs> uh, one place that I recognize is a difficult area where unions can be detrimental is in touring a company so I talked about the positives of touring before but uh, unions can actually make it very difficult for companies to tour it's extremely expensive to bring uh, an entire company or even just parts of a company uh, around the country or the world to share the art of dance. And it is rarely ever profitable unless uh, the only times that it can be is really if an outside producer pays for a company to, to tour. And that in this day and age, that's becoming uh, a lot, <laughs> a lot less <laughs> common. The benefit of touring is usually exposure and not really much else. Unions can make it very difficult to tour as contracts have set fees, like I said before, that must be paid no matter 
how well the companies sell out the theaters on the road. Um, if dancers are required to have their own room or can only share a room with another dancer, uh, if they bring the whole company, that can be quite expensive. For this reason, many unionized companies are a lot less likely to tour. This next one is kind of a, a two-parter. Uh, when it comes to uh, not this is detrimental, but it's not super detrimental for the first part at least. But uh, earlier I spoke about how dancers uh, aren't required to do any job outside of the scope of the job of a dancer. Um, but uh, I've actually seen many dancers in non-unionized companies take on jobs, often jobs that they wanted, um, but take on jobs that helped benefit them beyond just their dance career. Um, when I danced for PNB, I was also a liaison for a, a young patrons group called Backstage Pass. So essentially, I would spend once a month, I would spend a, an evening with the board and we would come up with tools to educate young patrons uh, and to create events. And uh, at the events, I would speak and I would attend and I would get dancers to go to them. So I, I ended up um, learning a lot about how to put an event together and execute it, uh, how to speak at an event, um, and so much more. It was such a valuable experience for me to, to do that. And I know a lot, uh, a lot of people are learning about social media these days and, and marketing and all of that by taking on side jobs that help uh, their companies flourish. And if their company flourishes, they flourish. Um, in a unionized company, you may find it more difficult to find opportunities like that because people won't necessarily come up to you and ask you to do those things because it's it's not within the scope of your, your job duties within your, your contract. The second part of this one, um, which is, is mostly just along the lines of missed opportunities, um, Dancing for a union company can it, it can help prevent a dancer from performing in unsafe or tricky situations, like I stated above. But at the same time, some of the most gratifying performances I've taken part of uh, took place after I left dancing with a unionized company, uh, and and those opportunities usually were when we stretched outside of our typical stage element uh, as as artists and found unique and new ways to connect with audiences. Unions can sometimes suppress the ability for our art to continue growing. For instance, in Houston Ballet, I remember restrictions being placed upon a choreographer that thought it would be interesting to have dancers use their words and noises to create music instead of having a live orchestra creating the music. If dancers had to open their mouths on stage, they had to be paid, which could be expensive for large casts especially. If the dancers chose not to waive this in companies across the country, it may have been impossible for a piece that pushes the boundaries like, say, Alexander Ekman's Cacti, which is a very popular piece that's been going around lately. But um, with those restrictions in place, this work may have never been created or it would have had to be created in a European company that didn't have these same restrictions. This piece is Surely an audience favorite, so I'm glad that it was able to, to be created. As you can see, there are a handful of positives and negatives that uh, come with dancing for a unionized company. Unions can be extremely helpful in protecting dancers' bodies, uh, pay, and more. 
Also, having a middleman in the place to help navigate this tricky career is extremely helpful. But on the other side of the coin, unions can greatly restrict the abilities for companies to tour and to take risks in pushing our art form forward and allowing for growth and experimentation. Anybody who can get into any professional company is a damn lucky person. So there isn't necessarily a, a better or best of, of being unionized or non-unionized. Um, it really just depends on what you're looking for. So from there, I would never say dancing for a non-union company is a lesser position in the dance world. I hope that all companies would endeavor to protect their dancers and treat them fairly, union or not. If your soul tells you to do more expensive, <laughs> that's a hard word to say today, experimental work, you might find yourself in a non-union company. But if you're looking for more safety and structure, a union company might be for you. In the end, we are all in it for dance. So I only wish you luck as you progress through a career in this beautiful dance world. And with that, we have come to the end of another episode of Pod Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorollis.com. Again, that's www.barrycorollis.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcasts or to book master classes in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcasts on the Premier Dance Network or on premierdancenetwork.com. New hosts from your favorite dance companies are being added monthly. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me at Facebook, <laughs> on Facebook, on Instagram where my name is B. Carolus, or on Twitter at Bariscos. Also be sure to subscribe to my blog, Life of a Freelance Dancer, where I've been writing about working as a freelance artist for over four years. I also have two YouTube channels, B. Carolus featuring my choreography and choreography. That's Core-ography, featuring my choreographic web series that tells life-defining stories of professional dancers through revealing interviews and choreography. Thanks for listening in to Pod of Chat. I hope you return next Friday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.